Hey, how about them tops, son? All day, SEC boys. You're listening to the Red Out Podcast. Welcome in to a very special episode of the Red Out Podcast. My name is Devin, and we are excited because in this episode, Matt and Jared sit down with WKU Director of Athletics, Todd Stewart, to discuss the state of the Hilltopper Athletics, and for the very first time, Todd's views on SB 206, the Fair Pay to Play Law, recently passed in California. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to support the podcast, and we hope you enjoy. All right, we're here with Todd Stewart doing an interview, hanging out a little bit, uh, talking WKU sports in the in the fall and and the rest of the year as well. Um, just had a couple couple questions for you, and and we're just uh, just hanging out here. Um, give you a, a nice easy question first. <laughs> I like those. <laughs> uh, how surprised are you at how the fall sports are going so far, and how would you grade them so far? Well, very pleased, you know, with the start that we got off to. I think last weekend in particular kind of summed up where we are, which is in a good spot. And, and obviously, uh, you know, people focus on, on football. And I'm really proud of the, the team. I mean, everybody, our coaching staff, because certainly the, the season opening loss was tough. And, you know, a game that we were in control of and then weren't able to close it out. And I, I'm sure among some there was a – oh, here we go again kind of mentality. But I think what these guys have shown is this is not here we go again. You know, this is a, a different group with a different mindset and a different mentality. And for them to stay together and, and really pick up two really big league wins, to go to FIU and, and win. I mean, that's a team that has been to a bowl game the last two years and started, I believe, 10 seniors, an experienced team that's used right. to winning. And we're an inexperienced team that's not used to winning. So to go down there and win was big. And then obviously to come back – and beat UAB, the defending conference champion who was undefeated, was huge. And, and we haven't been 2-0 and in the league since 2015. Even the 2016 mm-hmm. team that won the league. Lost to La Tech. Right, right lost mm-hmm. to La Tech in, in a shootout. So really, really proud of the way football's rebounded. And, and then soccer, you know, has already won more games this year than we won all of last year. Mm-hmm. They're 6-2-1 and and 2-0 and in the league and beat previously un, undefeated Louisiana Tech on Sunday. So that was a huge win. And and volleyball, I mean, what can you say? I mean, it's just uh, Gosh, incredible. It, it really is what, what Travis Hudson does uh, virtually every year and, and really with a pretty young team this year. There's only two seniors on this team. And so to lead the nation in wins and lead the nation in sweeps, uh, is, is it's a great place to be. And it obviously says a lot about the job he's doing and, and the way our players are performing. Right, absolutely. And uh, along with volleyball, uh, they only have one loss so far. Um and I think it's a actually an interesting uh, thought. Uh, it gives a, a chance to raise awareness for Alyssa Cavanaugh's mm-hmm. fight with cancer. Kind of gives us a platform. Being what twenty eighth in the nation this week, right? Um, kind of talk about that. How it gives us a little. Well, no, no doubt. I mean, I think that she has been an inspiration for so many people. I mean, certainly here in the WKU community, but I think even beyond in the way that. She faced uh, tremendous adversity in the way that she's handled it, what her attitude has been throughout everything. I know she's inspired her teammates and, and really uh, impacted everybody in our, our athletic department and beyond. So that is a great story and a great testament to her. And to your point, Matt, certainly with our program winning, 
that brings more attention on the program, which then indirectly brings more attention on her and, and her courageous fight. So um, you really can't say enough about Alyssa and the way she's handled everything and the impact she still continues to have on our program. Absolutely. A true Hilltopper legend. Um, as far as um, the football team, uh, we were curious about um, how the Louisville game did financially. It was essentially a, a break-even game, mm-hmm. um, which, which was not what we hoped it would be. You know, we've played three games in Nashville now. Two of them have been okay, you know, mm-hmm. the Louisville one, and then the first Kentucky game. And then the only one that was really good was the second Kentucky game. I mean, that was a crowd that was very, very good, and, and we made money off of that, and we won the game, you know, so that was nice as well. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know that playing Louisville in Nashville anymore will work. I don't want to rule out Nashville entirely because we we like to go to Nashville. We go there as much as we can in, in all of our sports. We have a very large alumni presence there, and that's an area that's really important to our university in terms of future enrollment growth. So we'd like to go to Nashville, but I think in order to do that and make it work and give up a game in Bowling Green, you know, we need to draw well over 20,000 people, and, and we haven't been able to do that two or three times that we've gone there. Sure. And then maybe it was a little bit of a perfect storm, and both teams were pretty terrible last year. Um, well, you and, know, it, it did concern me a little bit, and I think that they had a late surge, but it was about two weeks before Louisville played Notre Dame, and you know, that was their season opener at home, and, and I read – that there were tickets available in in every price range. And Mm. if you're opening your season with Notre Dame and you have tickets available two weeks before kickoff, you know, that's probably – that didn't give me a really good feeling in terms of the number of Louisville fans that would ultimately make it to Nashville. So, you know, obviously they're in the first year with a new coach and we're in the first year of a new coach. And now when we played Kentucky there, that that was – that worked out with Bobby Petrino and Mark Stoops and and making their debuts. But – uh, you know, each program's in a little bit different place now than they were then, and it, it wasn't a bad day. I mean, I, I still think it was it was good, but uh, playing in the afternoon wasn't helpful either. You know, we would have liked to have played that game at night, uh, but because the Titans mm-hmm. played the next day at noon, a night game was not an option. They actually wanted us to play earlier than mid-afternoon. They they originally proposed a noon kickoff, and we really resisted that. We just didn't think that that would be very productive, so. We settled on middle afternoon, and you know I, I think that certainly it, it, it worked out. But uh, if we're going to go there in the future, uh, I think we'll have to look long and hard about you know who we play and how we go about that. Sure, absolutely understandable. Um, talking about the good start with football, and, and at least in conference, not mm-hmm. I mean overall, um, you know you lose to UCA, that's frustrating. But ultimately, um, I don't think anybody had us. Um, any better than we are, certainly not going 2-0 in conference. Um, nobody on our staff predicted 2-0. and Only one person predicted 1-1. One and one. <laughs> So, just uh, uh, we didn't see it coming. So, kind of comment on that. Um, how does that kind of change your, I guess, range of expectations for 2019? Well, I, mean, I was optimistic going into the season because I just sensed a very good vibe around our players throughout the spring and the, and the summer, you know, just a different vibe than what, what it had been. And I, so I was encouraged about what we might be able to do. Certainly there were a lot of questions about the quarterback position, who the quarterback would be, how that would work. And it's a pretty young team. I believe we even right now only have four senior starters. Um, so yeah. it's, it's a young team. It's a young nucleus. Uh, there's not a lot of seniors playing a lot on, on, on this team. And there wasn't really last year either. So, 
a byproduct of some of this is, is a lot of young players have gotten a lot of experience. And I think people like D'Angelo Malone, you're starting to really see them benefit from the experience that they had the last two years. And, you know, I, I'm excited about what we have ahead of us. I mean, it's, it's, it's still a group. I mean, I'm thrilled that we're 2-0 in the league. You know, I think it's still a group that, that recently had a stretch where we lost 14 out of 16 games. And uh, we're not that far removed from that. I think people still need to be, be patient. But I think they've seen the way our guys go about everything and the, the excitement and the passion that they bring. I mean, they play all four quarters. I look at the Louisville game. The first half did not go well, but that was a team that did not roll over. They came out fighting in the second half and, and made it a game. And, and that's that's this this year's team. I mean, they will fight to the finish. We won't beat ourselves. I think in the past we beat ourselves. Sometimes we won't beat ourselves this year. And, uh, you know, we just need to take it week to week. But certainly we would rather be 2-0 and right now than 1-1 than one one or 0-2. Absolutely, and how big of it was it was it a deal to uh, to win in front of a big crowd? Huge, because you know it's it's a challenge sometimes to get a good crowd, and so then when you do, uh, obviously when you have a big crowd, you probably have some people there that haven't been before or haven't been in a while. So mm -hmm. you want them feeling good. You want them feeling like, hey, this was a good use of my time, not the other way around. Because if they leave wondering why they even went in the first place, you probably won't get them back. So. To have an excess of 20,000 there and, and to beat a team that previously was undefeated that was our, our defending champion in the conference you know, was a really big night for our program. And hopefully we see more crowds like that and, and more results like that. Absolutely. Pretty pretty exciting start for, for the football no, tops. No um, and I think, you know, even we didn't ahead. move the ball well, obviously, much of the game, but our, our I think we gained as many yards in the fourth quarter as we did the first three quarters combined. or We're very close to that. So, oh, yeah. Uh, that was encouraging, you know, mm -hmm. against a really good defense that when it was all on the line, we actually did move the ball better than we had the whole game. Mm -hmm. I was actually <laughs> – the start of the game, I was in Indiana, and uh, we were – I was kind of paying attention to we're at a wedding. Okay. And we were driving back, and I was sort of watching on ESPN+. Plus. I didn't really know what was going on. And then we listened to the radio, and they had said at the end of the third quarter, we were – we actually went to the last 14 minutes of the game. <laughs> Um, oh, you got the, so you got there. Yeah, okay, yeah, good. we got there. You saw and, the good part. Then. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'll take credit for it. I, I think I made the difference, but um, but yeah, I think they said that they had that that we had 108 yards or something like that after the third quarter, and then we ended up having over 200, 222. Mm -hmm. So we really did basically double, or a little bit more than double the production. Um, so yeah, it was certainly, thankfully, we mm -hmm. were able to move the ball a little bit because UAB was. They were dominating. Um, I guess moving on to some other some other sports. Um, track and field coach Eric Jenkins left for USF in the summer. Uh, a new staff has come in with some impressive assistance. How do you feel about the direction of track and field and cross country? Well, feel good. Happy to have Brent Chumley here as our head coach. You know, certainly, um, you know, he has a, a very good past and good history as both a head coach and some connections here in our state. So we felt like it would be a good fit as well. Mm. Uh, Eric did a tremendous job here. I mean, Eric was an alum and, and Eric recruited at a high level. And, you know, really, honestly, the, the program slipped in recent years, not because of anything Eric did. It was really a, a product of the budget reductions mm. and just him having less to work with. And I think uh, through the through the budget situation that we've had to work through, track's probably been the program most affected by that. Mm -hmm. So uh, Eric had a chance to go back to the state of Florida, which is where he's from, um, at USF. I mean, he recruits the state of Florida very, very heavily. So 
uh, he felt like that was a good opportunity and and certainly I understood that but you know I think Brent you know he'll have to have some time put his own thumbprints on on the program but I really like the leadership that he brings I like the experience that he brings the staff that he's hired that you alluded to uh, we really like a lot and I feel good about the direction that that's headed good deal uh, so moving on to, to basketball um, Rick Stansberry is now heading into his fourth full season uh, Western has sniffed but not tasted glory two years in a row Rick has said himself he wants high expectations if you're setting an expectation for 2019 to 20, where would you set the bar? Well, I think we all expect a lot out of this year's team. I mean, first and foremost, our players and, and our coaches. I mean, I think they expect a lot. I expect a lot. We all expect a lot. And, and the reason I say that is I really do feel like this is the most talented team that we've had since Ken McDonald's first year. You know, I think the, the mm. team, the players that Darren Horn left, he, he left the cabinet pretty full. And Ken's first year here, you know, we had Orlando Mendez, Valdez, A.J. Slaughter, Jeremy Evans, Stefan Pettigrew. We added Sergio Carouche. That was a pretty talented group. And mm -hmm. that was a team that won 29, 25 games, I'm sorry, and then won an NCAA tournament game as well. Um, I think this team is as talented as that team. Now, the key is two things. One, you have control over. One, you don't. You know, the one we don't have control over are, is health, injuries. You know, the, obviously – you know, we need to have our key guys available. Uh, but the thing we do have control over, and the, and the best example, I think, for any college basketball team, any team really, is, is very recent. And it's last year's Virginia team. You know, Virginia won the national championship last year in, in men's basketball. Obviously won the ACC also. They had three players drafted, two in the first round. But every player on their team averaged less than 16 points a game. Mm -hmm. They had guys that could have scored a whole lot more than that. But – they sacrificed some of that. They came together as a team, and they obviously had incredible success. The ultimate, they won a national championship, but they still got it, and they still got drafted. They still they still got everything. And I, I feel like if we come together as a team and everybody sacrifices a little bit but comes together for the, for the, the team as a whole, the sky's the limit for these group, for this guys. I, I really do believe that. So the bar is a national championship. Got it. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's not. I mean, I think I think you you know you you have to be realistic. But but I I, I just I would just leave it at that. I think that um, it's the most talented team we've had in ten years. Uh, Rick deserves tremendous credit for that. I mean, mm -hmm. I, we all know what the roster was when he was hired as a head coach, and you look at what the roster is now. It's 180 degrees difference, and um, and we've had a lot of success. I mean, we have seven wins over Power Five programs. We we went to an NIT Final Four, and we, we've had some really significant achievements the last couple of years. But what we haven't done, and this predates Rick, is Western Kentucky hasn't won a men's basketball regular season championship since, since 2009. That's hard to believe. Wow. I mean, it's hard to believe that we could go 10 years without winning a regular season conference championship, but we have. And, and we all hope that changes this year. Absolutely. Um, kind of a, a random question that affects a few sports. Uh, or all of them, I guess. Um, how's the new HSSN on Facebook working out? Um, and have you seen some participation with that? And for those that don't know how, could you tell us how to get there to see those games? Well, you can access that on our uh, on our website, and uh, Zach Greenwell could give you the specific numbers for that, but it's going very, very well. Uh, I, the feedback that I have heard has been really positive in terms of the production, and we, we've been really pleased to be able to do more soccer 
uh, more volleyball. We will do baseball and softball, you know, in the spring. I mean, bring some attention to sports that deserve it, that probably didn't get as, as much attention in the past. Uh, so we're happy to do that. But the views are way up. Uh, and again, you know, Zach could give you specific numbers. But uh, I mean, for example, I, I want to say we, we've gone from like a typical soccer game maybe a year ago when we would do something like this, having a couple hundred people watch to now a couple thousand people watch. I mean, a, you wow. know, a dramatic uh, increase, you know, which indicates it's beyond friends and family. I mean, or it's certainly beyond family, you know, mm -hmm. if you've got th that kind of people watching. But we put a lot more into that. We've added legitimate play-by-play -play announcers and color analysts, try to try to make it a real broadcast. And so far it's gone really well. Wow, that's really good. I didn't realize it was doing as well as that. Yeah. That's really good. Uh, switching to Lady Toppers. Lady Topper basketball struggled at times last year, especially defensively. Uh, but they pulled it together at the end of the season and made a run in the WNIT. Um, how do you feel about them in Greg Collins' second year? Well, really excited. Um, you know, obviously I think what they they – faced as much as anything last year as they didn't have Ivy, Ivy Brown and Tasia Brown, you know, and mm -hmm. that was much like volleyball losing Alyssa and Jessica Lucas and Sydney Engel. I mean, you just don't you, – you can recruit well, and we all say, you know, we reload, we don't rebuild, but you're not going to replace players like that easily. And so that was a huge void that our, our program had. And then, I mean, I give Greg credit, and, and Michelle obviously had something to do with this too because they work on the schedules together, but – that schedule last year was absolutely brutal. And, and for a, a young team that really lost s such a large degree of production to have to play that kind of schedule was, I don't want to say it was unfair, but it, it was just incredibly challenging. But the way they handled that and, mm -hmm. and, and to still get through the non-conference schedule uh, just under 500, I think gave them a lot of confidence going into league play. And then they, we got into league play and, and played pretty well. So all that being said, uh, we lose very little off of last. This year's kind of the opposite. We don't lose a whole lot off of last year's team. We have have most of the production coming back this year, and we've added some players too. You know, there's the, Mariah Haywood sat out. She was here last year, but but she sat out. Sandra Skinner, you know, is available now, and there's some talented freshmen that are here. So I feel really good about our our women's team and the kind of season we can have. The non-conference schedule is uh, it's challenging again, and I. I want to say the first five games we play are teams that went to the NCAA tournament last year. Wow. Um, either the first five or we play five in non-conference that, that did. So, I mean, it, it'll be a challenging non-conference schedule again. But uh, I like where we are and I like where we're headed. Absolutely. Um, it seems like your kind of latest strategy has been trying to find ways to play bigger name opponents like Georgia, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Arkansas, et cetera, mm -hmm. kind of by parlaying multiple sports uh, kind of together to make a deal happen. How does that process kind of work for you? How do you balance all those moving parts? Well, that, that, is, that has been the strategy. I mean, really with our, our non-conference strategy in football is we, we need to play a guaranteed game every year. Um, we just do from a budget standpoint. Then most years we'll buy an FCS team a, a, as well. And then the other two games would be more traditional home-and-homes. Uh, Army is part of a home-and-home. Home. We go back there in, in 2021, actually play at Army on 9-11-2021, the 20th anniversary mm -hmm. of 9-11. That'll be a, obviously a very unique and, and special day. But Army, Ball State, Miami of Ohio, you know, those are all traditional home and homes. But what we try to do is get creative on the scheduling front to add a, uh, a men's basketball home and home, too. And, and with Arkansas uh, and Wisconsin, we were able to, to do that. 
we're still trying to do that, you know, but, but all those schools that you just mentioned, uh, we have proposed, uh, we would take a little, even a little less in football than what the traditional guarantee number is. If they would do a home and home in men's basketball, every one of them said no. Uh, and, and we've even approached people on our current schedule, Indiana, about the same thing. You know, we they come on the schedule in football. Uh, they play a game in Bowling Green, and then we play two games in Bloomington. They pay us a total of a million dollars for the two games in Bloomington. We approached them and said, look, could, could we talk about you pay us a little less than a million dollars for the two games in Bloomington, but let's add a home and home in men's basketball. They declined. Um, so mm-hmm. it's been very, very difficult uh, getting – uh, good basketball series among the Power Five schools. I mean, they, they just are very reluctant to play us. We will continue to try to add those, and hopefully we'll be able to add some. Uh, Louisville comes onto the schedule, and Louisville will come into the Diddle Arena two years from now. So we'll have a, a four-year period where we'll have Wisconsin, Arkansas, and Louisville uh, come into Diddle Arena. So that's that's been a pretty good run, and hopefully we can continue that, but it is a challenge. Good deal. Yeah, Jared here. I had a question for you. I think it was in early August that the NCAA put out a post talking about the top 16 football and basketball combinations by winning percentage. And uh, Notre Dame was number uh, one. Uh, Texas was number two. UCLA was three. But uh, tied for fourth was Alabama and Western Kentucky. Like, I just want to know what your thoughts were when you saw, were able to see that. I know you always say you're known by the company that you keep right. and to be able to see your program on there. And what do you think has been some of the main like attributes and just things that have led to that success with the, both of those programs? I think we have really special people here, and that's why I like being here. I mean, our coaches are outstanding. They're, they're very good coaches. They're very good recruiters, but they're also very good at personal and player development, and they go about things the right way, and they recruit true student athletes who aspire to get a degree but obviously are also very dedicated and passionate about their sport. And so it's almost like a recipe. You take all those components and you put it together, and, and that's the product that you see. And, and they deserve a lot of credit because I think what's really special about, and you guys have heard me say this before, but I, but I, I don't think people sometimes always realize this. I think what's really special about what we have been able to achieve, you know, leading Conference USA in championships with, with 25, and that's seven different sport programs that have won it. It's not like it's all been like one area, um, is that we're 12th in the conference in budget. And in most conferences across the nation, uh, it's not exact, but there's a pretty direct correlation between the people that spend the most tend to win the most, and the people that spend the least tend to win the least. And what's been unusual here is we're third from the bottom in spending, but we're number one in winning. And that doesn't happen if you don't have – you know, a unique set of people that are that are part of your program, and we have that with our players and our coaches. Good question, Jared. Yes. <laughs> uh, moving on to some spring sports, uh, baseball and softball were both uh, significantly improved. How do those two programs take this in the next step forward? Well, um, I was very happy with the way both went last year. Softball I'll, I'll deal with first. Softball – it's a little bit like women's basketball, I think, in that they lost very little off of last year's team. Uh, I think we had three seniors that, that started and played a lot. Uh, so there's, there's some people to replace there. But the nucleus of that team comes back. Our pitching should be outstanding. All, mm-hmm. all the pitchers are back um, in terms of, you know, people who started games last year and feel really good about, about softball. Uh, and we're hosting the Conference USA tournament this year. So that'll, that'll be kind of neat. We have not hosted that okay. in softball yet. So – uh, glad to have that that here. 
uh, baseball, I think we, we took a step forward last year. You know, baseball, it's, it's kind of been, uh, for a number of reasons, uh, until last year, a little bit of a lost decade. You know, I mean, this decade we really haven't, uh, haven't had a whole lot of success, especially when you talk about postseason success, you know, not even, not even conference tournament uh, success. But last year we did. I feel like to, to come in fourth in Conference USA, which is a good baseball league, uh, in the regular season and, and then go win a tournament game. I mean, those are two things we hadn't done before. And then I think mm-hmm. Jake Sanford had arguably one of the best seasons uh, a Western Kentucky baseball players ever had in the, in the 100 years that we've had baseball here. The, the difference between baseball and softball this year is, uh, wh- whereas the, the bulk of the softball team is back, baseball has essentially overhauled their pitching staff. Um, now that, that may not necessarily be a bad thing um, because we struggled last year, you know, with, with pitching much of the year. Uh, but there will be a lot of new faces with, with baseball. But uh, I really like where we are and feel good about, you know, about just the overall mindset of the program right now. And, and hopefully we can pick up where we left off last year. Right, definitely a good good step to finally get in the in the tournament and well into the tournament. And then as well. you know win a game too. I mean that mm-hmm. was that was really that was good. And I mean that's not something you have a parade over, but nevertheless that's something we hadn't done in quite some time. You know we right. we, we really hadn't. So that that was a step forward. Absolutely. Um, okay, so with with budget cuts and a relative lack of significant TV revenue. Uh, what challenges do you face on a day-to-day basis as the head of the beast? Well, we have to maximize what we do have, and we have to find ways to grow outside the traditional means. And, you know, private money is obviously a big part of that, and, and we've been successful there. We've had some people that have really stepped up, and it's a little bit like a political campaign. I, I mean, we've had some some really nice gifts, um, but, you know, if you look at any of these, these uh, politicians – you know, they, they, their campaign at the grassroots level, a lot of times they'll raise a lot of money through small donations. And, and we've had a number of people, our HAF memberships at an all-time high. So we are generating more private money than we ever had. You know, we'll need to continue to do that. Um, we can't make mistakes. You know, we don't really have the latitude to to make, you know, big financial mistakes, but but we haven't. And um, you know, just maximize what we have, and we do. I mean, we have coaches that are, I mean, they're really good at what they do, and, and they're able to, it's, it's like the old saying, you can have anything you want, you can't have everything you want. So that's really how we, we approach most things. But it's worked out really well for us, and we'll continue to be aggressive. I mean, I think internally we know what the challenges are, and there are challenges, but externally we, we, we don't want people to, to look at us and see that, you know, we, we want them to look at us and see winning and see success and see facility enhancements and improvements, uh, because those are the things that we will have to continue to do in order to, to, to be successful long-term. Sure. Um, so I guess kind of building off of that, uh, what would you say is the next step for WKU athletics to go to the next level related to community involvement and increased revenue? Well, I mean, one of our sayings is if you're, if you're only maintaining, you're falling behind. So I don't ever want to make light of, of conference championships because they're hard to do. You know, we won 25 in the first five years we were in Conference USA. I hope we win more than 25 in the next five years we're in Conference USA. That, that won't be easy to do. But, you know, we need to continue to win. And then the second part of winning is when, when you win a conference championship and you make NCAA tournament play or you make a bowl game, capitalize on that and and win now that's hard to do i mean you're you're matched up against somebody good but football did win three straight bowl games and there were only nine teams in the nation that won a bowl game in 
2014, 2015, and 2016 like we did. So that was a pretty exclusive group we were in. You know, men's basketball, you know, to, to make the NCAA tournament and win a game uh, would, would be something that we aspire to do, hopefully win more than one game. But, you know, you have to make it first. And same thing with women's basketball. Women's basketball has made a number of NCAA tournaments. We've had tough draws, but, you know, we haven't been able to, to get that win. So, uh, so soccer, on the other hand, or I'm sorry, softball, you know, has. The last two times mm -hmm. softball's made the NCAA tournament, they've won two games each time. And the last time, you know, beat North Carolina and Georgia. I mean, two huge wins. So, you know, we've had programs capitalize on that. But I think once you get to the big stage and you have more lights uh, on you and more attention on you, if you can capitalize on that, that just enhances everything. And from a facility standpoint, you know, we, we really the, – the big thing that we lack is an indoor facility. Um, you know, we were close to that a few years ago, and then some things happened, and, and we, that wasn't able to get done. But, you know, if we could get an indoor facility, that would be huge for all of our programs. I mean, football would probably be the biggest beneficiary, but everybody would, would benefit from it. We need a new press box for football. I mean, that's, that's really not a, a top-level FBS press box by any stretch. It's – it's serviceable. I mean, it's it functions, but you know, it's that's not our our program is ahead of our press box. I mean, we we need we need a new a new press box, uh, and then you know, with soccer and softball, um, they have good locker room situations, but so, uh, softball's in Diddle Arena, soccer's in the football stadium. So you know, ultimately, something out in the area where those two programs are, you know, where the, where they would have sort of a home there, you know, would would be something that we we hope to get done. Okay. Um, and to build on that, um, kind of follow up with that one, say Johnny Hilltopper sitting at home listening or, or reading, going to work, whatever, wondering how they could help WKU athletics be more successful. What would you say to them if you could? Well, the easy thing is come to our games and bring somebody with you. You know, I really do feel – uh, with, with most of our sports, and, and I'm, I'm a perfect example. I mean, before I became the athletic director here, I had never seen a college volleyball game in person. I had never mm -hmm. seen um, very little women's basketball in person, you know, very little, very little college baseball in person. Um, but I think when – but now I like all those. Um, and I think that a lot of people, if they experience that for the first time, they will really like it. So – we need people to come to our games, be passionate. Fans bring energy. They, they do. I mean, it's, it's not a cliche. There is a home court advantage. There is a home field advantage. So come to the game, bring some energy. You know, you're rooting for really good kids. You're really, really rooting for, for good people, high-character people. But bring somebody with you. I mean, that's how you, how you grow a fan base. Good deal. Um, I thought this was an interesting question. Um, this was from Ross. If you were emulating another school's athletic model or if you were taking pieces and parts from multiple schools, who would you pick and why? Well, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, Ross gets credit for that one. Yeah, that I mean, I don't <laughs> – I mean, I think, you know, what's unique about what we do is it's a copycat industry, really. I mean, I think everybody – looks at everybody else and they pull little things here and there and I think we're all uh, there's uniqueness to every athletic department but then I think there's also things in every athletic department that um, you know you you pull those ideas from other places you know I feel really good about where we are and, and the way that we do things you know one thing that I, I noticed uh, we all noticed uh, until a couple years ago you know when we would go to uh, 
NCAA tournament venues or we would play Louisville at the Yum Center or we would play a game at Bridgestone Arena or, you know, go to some of the, the SEC games on the road. We, you know, we noticed that they had uh, high-definition video boards and really what a difference that actually made in the arena. And until two years ago, our video boards were still the circa 2003 video boards. I mean, it was like a TV. You get it in 2003, it was pretty neat in 2003, but by 2015, it's not so neat anymore. And so I think – uh, and we had a lot of donors. We had a lot of people step up. I mean, we, we have, the total video board cost for the football stadium and, and Diddle Arena was $2.5 million. Wow. Obviously, we don't have $2.5 million sitting around, so that we needed to privately fundraise that, and we were able to do that. So, you know, that's I'm not really naming programs, but I think going around and seeing that, to me, that was, that was the most noticeable thing that our venues lacked is, is the technology that a high-definition video board gives you. So... I think adding those two years ago was, was really big. And we'll just need to continue to enhance everything, um, you know, all, ultimately the branding we try to do, whether it's banners or signage. Uh, we're actually going to, you know, look at some ways to kind of dress up Diddle Arena. Not really the public areas as much. I think the public areas are, are pretty good, but the, more the private team areas, you know, we need to just do a little bit of a refresh there. We haven't really done that, you know, with football and with – with basketball and, and really about 10 years. So mm-hmm. I think just kind of kind of refresh it a little bit and highlight some of the recent achievements a little bit better than we currently do. Okay. Gotcha. So no specific – you didn't have a specific school that you – Well, they really – and I don't – I'm not trying to avoid <laughs> like that. Boise I mean, or – It's – well, I think what Boise did in football is certainly something that, that we would emulate. You know, I mm-hmm. think in basketball, you know, we, we look at like Xavier and VCU, Butler – um, you know, those sure. are Wichita State. You know, those are all examples of programs that have had high-level success that we feel like, and if you talk to Rick, he would agree. I mean, that we feel like we can do that, you know. Um, Absolutely. You know, when you, look, when you look at the SEC and the Big Ten, I mean, you, you are, I mean, it's no great revelation, but you are talking about a level of spending that is, that is really incredible. Um, I mean, it means budgets well into the six-figure level. We, we have a $23 million budget. So I think we have to be realistic. I mean, we could go to Alabama and play a football game and say, oh, yeah, those things are great. We, we, we're going to do that. Well, there, you know, there's a cost that, that's associated with a lot of that stuff. But, but you still can pull ideas. When we went to Wisconsin a couple of years ago, I thought they were very hospitable. They showed us around, showed us everything. They do a very good job of, of what I feel of branding their program success highlighting Big Ten championships, highlighting teams that have won bowl games, uh, highlighting players that have played in the NFL. And I feel like we do that too, but I really like the way they did that. And I think when I talk about highlighting our programs in our team areas, uh, that's what I'm talking about. I, I think in the public areas, it's obvious we, we do highlight that. But I think in our team areas, we can do a little bit more. Wisconsin is a recent example. I like the way they did that, and I think we will probably do some things similar to, to the way they did it. Okay. Awesome. Um, so this is one that we were interested to hear. Uh, the state of California <laughs> recently passed. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you figured we might ask. <laughs> it's okay. Passed a law attempting to prevent the NCAA from keeping Californian athletes from benefiting from their likeness, a.k.a. in 2023 they can take endorsements, possibly get paid. Uh, on the record, how do you feel this could affect WKU moving forward? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I mean, that's something obviously that we've we've all talked about. Uh, we had our, our nationally, we had our Division One um, AD meetings last week in Washington D.C. and 
you had about a hundred of the FBS ADs that were in the room at the same time, and that was a topic of conversation. There are a lot of layers to that. Um, I would tell you a, a couple things on that. Um, the first thing is it's certainly the current model is heading towards change, and, and it will be different at a point in time. There is a, a working group uh, that is actually coming up with some suggestions, uh, and I believe they may actually have that done by the end of this month um, it, relative to the name, image, and likeness. Um, some things that, that might work. You know, anytime you come up with one thing that it seems like it works, then there's sort of a reason why it may not work, and, and it's complicated. You know, uh, the thing I think that athletes may not understand, I, I think that, like, nationwide, I think when athletes hear, they see what California passed, and they hear that uh, they may be able to make money off their name, image, and likeness. I think that sometimes people think that, like, everybody is going to have a windfall with this and and that is not likely to be the case you know i i really think that this if, if you were to and we do exit interviews with our athletes if you were to if you were to um, talk to every student athlete nationwide and, and the ncaa sponsors 24 championships 24 sports that have a championship and you were to talk to every single student athlete uh, about their experience when, when their senior year is up and they leave, uh, I would bet you well over 90% think it's great. You know, uh, I think the vast majority, I'm talking all athletes now, I'm not talking mm. about just one sport. You know, I think the current model actually works for everybody far better than what the national narrative would suggest. Now, there are certainly examples of it not working. You know, I'm not trying to say it, it's 100%. And it, and it, but I think we have to be careful to not, to not change it for whatever small percent that it's not working for and ruin it for the 90-plus percent that it is working for. You know, I, then, then more people lose out. Um, you know, how, how do you handle the name, image, and likeness and the ability to make money off of that? I mean – you know, one of the beauties of college sports is it hasn't been like pro sports, is that everybody's on a team, they're all in it together, they all share in everything the same, and if all of a sudden one person goes out and makes money off of something and nobody else gets anything, how does that affect the team dynamic? I mean, it's human nature, jealousies will come into play. Now, that's society, that's not just an athletics thing. Um, so you know, one of the things that was talked about was you, you find a way to take some of the revenue that's being generated and then it's allocated across the board the same amount to everybody much like the cost of attendance you know there was a lot of angst over that for a, a long period of time and then that came into play four or five years ago and you don't even hear about that anymore that's actually worked fine and every student athlete uh, gets the same cost of attendance amount and I, I think that if the name image and likeness whatever ultimate compensation maybe comes out of that the more uniform it can be, it's it's probably the better it will be. If it's if it's if it's ali ali income free and everybody's a, a free agent and they go out, I mean, I mm. think you're going to have a lot of corruption. You're going to have a lot of abuse of the system. Uh, prominent schools with uh, donors with big pockets will do things that probably shouldn't be done. And I, I think mm. that you could that's a slippery slope there. So uh, when we talked in the room, everybody. I, I think was understanding the changes on the way. Change is, is not always a bad thing. I mean, change sometimes is a good thing, uh, but ultimately what degree of change is, is the unknown right now, and 
we'll just have to wait and see where that goes. Hmm. Okay. Um, we're kind of getting to the part that could be off the record. So just let us know if you have mm-hmm. an issue answering it. Um, what about the eligibility of Cooper and Wright on the basketball team? Do you know anything about no, that? No, I really don't. I mean, that we can we can be on the record on that. I mean, okay, those those things are in the in the system right now, and we'll we'll hear an answer on on that. Um, you know, the NCAA typically will take things in the in the order that they come. So football is still really in the early part of the season. They're actually still hearing some football waivers. Uh, so with men's basketball regular season games not starting until almost a month from now. I mean, I, I would hope we would hear something relatively soon, but that's that, that might still be a little bit of time there. Okay. Does you got say there's any uh, roadblocks there for either one of them? Well, I think there's always a roadblock until there's not, you know. <laughs> and, and oh, Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, until, you know, there was a period there, a long period, where waivers weren't being offered. Uh, very much mm-hmm. and then we had a, hit a, a short period where it seemed like all of a sudden it did a 180 and everybody got a waiver now it's sort of morphing back to um, waivers not being granted with the same frequency that they were before what mm-hmm. you really need are extenuating circumstances uh, to enhance your ability to get that and we'll just have to see where it plays out I don't really have a gut feeling either way okay all right Todd thanks for your time we really appreciate it and uh, go tops. Well, thank you. My pleasure. Great being with you guys. We hope you enjoyed this special episode. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to support the show. And remember, guys, we release new episodes every Thursday morning. Thanks for listening. And as always, guys, go tops.